I'm Allie Burks, the worship leader for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast, featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive new faith community in Chatham County, North Carolina, committed to being with and for one another, our community, and the world. We gather for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 930 at House of Hops in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place at the local church, and we'd love to see you. Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to the local church. So glad you're here. My name is Brent. I serve as the pastor here, and uh, it's a gift to have you here to be a part of this experience. One of the things we say every week, we mean this every week, I promise. Even though we say it every week, we mean it every week. Um, I was telling Katie earlier, we need to hear things seven times before it sticks. And so whether this is the seventh time, the first time, the the 20th time, uh, it it remains true. And that is wherever you are on your spiritual journey, uh, whether you are a, a lifelong follower of Jesus, or you're just dipping your toes into the waters of faith, wherever you are on your journey, whether you come with hopes uh, or come with doubts, um, you belong here. You have a place here. And we mean that we are more whole. This community is more whole with you. And we want you to know that and feel that and experience it. We hope that you do. Everything we do together in worship, uh, from, from the songs that we sing to the prayers that we pray, the, um, the preaching we hope, the communion that we receive. Thank you. Um, uh, it is a hope. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's changing us, transforming us little by little, right under your nose, we hope and pray. And so it is a gift that you are here, that you have given up a part of your Sunday morning to be with us this morning. We hope that all that we do empowers you and equips you by the Holy Spirit to go into this world, be the hands and feet of Jesus, love where you are. Our mission is our mantra, love where you are. So let us pray. Gracious and loving God, for this new morning and this new day, for the sunshine that is broken, we give you thanks. We pray, O oh God, uh, that as you are the God who sees So too we pray that we would see as you would have us to see. Give us new eyes. Help our vision to become your vision. Through this word, through this scripture, through the sacrament that we receive. Open us, O God, to the new things that you have for us today that we might faithfully be a part of the new creation that you are bursting forth. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to show you uh, one of my four-year-old's most recent masterpieces. Emma has just started drawing family portraits. This is one of her most recent. As I'm sure you can tell, I'm the tallest one, which is new for me. Um, Her mom, Natalie, is uh, next to me, relative in height. Emma is the one right in front of me, Eliza. Our seven-month-old, bottom left. And um, in the middle there, Emma's two imaginary friends, Doggy from Doggy and Kitty from Kitty. Um, Up top, you'll see blue sky. Hard to make out there, but there's a yellow sun as well. You see it? Uh, Now, a few things about this picture. I love this picture. I love it. I love being able to see the world through Emma's eyes. I love not only that we're all pictured, but that she's made room in our family for others. Her imaginary friends. I love that um, the only place I have hair in this picture is on the top of my head. 
Um, which is actually the only place I don't have hair. Um, I, love, uh, I love that all of our noses are in alignment with our eyes for some reason. I love that Eliza at seven months is, uh, has a full head of shoulder length hair. And as Emma gets older, I can't wait to discover how this family portrait will change. Maybe we'll have arms. Maybe one day we'll learn how to smile. Maybe our legs won't come from our heads. I'd love to have a torso one day. Uh, but I, love, I love being able to see through Emma's eyes here, and I can't wait to see how things change as she grows, as her reality changes, as uh, she sees a more complete picture, as she comes to a greater awareness and attentiveness to shapes and sizes and detail of the human body. This is a snapshot of what we're talking about this morning as we continue our series called da, 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 Upcycle. There it is. Upcycle, how God takes our junk and makes it better. How God takes our junk and makes it better. As a reminder or to catch you up, upcycling is the process in which the things that would otherwise be discarded are looked upon, looked at with, with new eyes, different from recycling in which material is broken down and decreases in value. Upcycling is a creative process wherein something old and worn, ready for the junkyard, is instead given new life through restoration or recreation. Instead of being tossed and thrown away through upcycling, materials are repurposed, transformed uh, into something new and given new life, increased value, new purpose. Like these jars that are on the table, more and more gathering each week, these candlesticks here, all upcycled. Right, we have um, some uh, uh, things in the back that are going to be turned into musical instruments for the kids, upcycled into musical instruments. That's what upcycling is. So we're gonna, the kids are gonna even take part in the upcycling process over these few weeks. By the way, I tried this joke out earlier and it killed. Today is Groundhog's Day. Did you know that Groundhog Day? So I saw my shadow. So that means six more weeks of sermon series. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But anyway, anyway. The, 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 claim, the claim that we're making in this series, in this upcycle series, is that this is what God does with us. This is what God does with us. God is in the upcycling business. God takes us and makes us new, changes us, transforms us, invites us to be a part of the new creation. We hear echoes of this truth throughout the whole Bible. The prophet Isaiah talks of new heavens and a new earth. Paul talks about the new creation of anyone in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation, Paul writes. At the very end of the Bible, in Revelation, uh, God says, See, I am making all things new. We heard Richard uh, this morning read from a portion of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And this particular part of the letter, Paul is describing how these followers of Jesus, directing them uh, on how to live in community, how they ought to live with one another. And Paul says, do not be uh, uh, conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The Greek word there for minds is nous. Nous in Greek. And in Greek, the mind is not just responsible for thinking, but it's the capacity to think and to live. It's uh, it's uh, the ability to reason. The mind is the place that 
helps us in Greek make sense of the world. In other words, to have a renewed mind is to have a whole new way, a renewed way of living and moving and being in the world. A renewed mind changes everything. But how? But how? How does this renewal, this transformation, this upcycle happen? That's what this whole series is all about. The ways that God is transforming us and renewing us, making all things new. Two weeks ago, we introduced the series. Uh, you can catch up by listening to the recording on the podcast if you haven't. Um, but we talked about Forky from Toy Story 4 on Disney Plus this week. Um, and how where we might see trash, God sees something different, something beloved, with a new identity, right? We talked about conversion as well, because that's ultimately what this series is about, is conversion, and about how conversion is not coercive, it's not manipulative, it's not something that we do, rather it's something God does. And it's a way that God is changing how we live and move in the world. Last week we had a guest preacher, Jay Horton, was here, and he talked about vulnerability. He reminded us that, that Jesus is inviting us to open ourselves, to, to lay it all bare in order to find hope and healing, to bring all of ourselves, all of ourselves, to one another and to Christ. He showed us that uh, vulnerability is not just needed in our personal lives, but in the communities that we're a part of, the systems that we're a part of as well. If you, didn't, if you weren't here or want to listen again, it's definitely worth listening to. It was a phenomenal sermon. And this week, the journey continues. This week, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer and the move from inattentiveness to attentiveness, from inattention to attention, the conversion of becoming a prayerful people. And now when I mention prayer, I can only imagine what comes to mind for you. If, you ever, if you've ever been in a room um, when someone has said, hey, I need a volunteer to pray out loud. Anyone willing to lead us in prayer? You get a sense of how people feel about prayer. Shoes become very interesting in that moment. Everyone falls silent, avoids eye contact, super uncomfortable. That's because just the word prayer can, can kick up stuff for us, right? And raise some questions. Because prayer is, is something likely that you want to want to do, or something you've been told you should do, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't happen. I've been there. I know that. Maybe it feels like you're too busy, don't have time. Maybe it's guilt because it's been so long and where do you even begin with prayer? Maybe it feels pointless because somewhere deep inside you think, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, so what's the point? Maybe to pray is to acknowledge that we're not in control and that's a scary thing and I'd rather not think about that. Or maybe you've heard people pray long and beautiful and eloquent prayers, and how in the world are you ever going to be at that level? So just don't do it. Maybe your mind is filled with other questions about prayer, like do you have to be on your knees, eyes open, eyes closed? Do you have to use big words? What do you do with your hands? How long do you pray? What if your mind wanders? What if you fall asleep? I've been there. I've been there. No shame. No shame. The gospel lesson that Richard read this morning from Luke, Jesus is praying and his disciples, his closest friends and followers say to him, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. They, they have some of the same questions, it seems, don't they? Jesus offers the words that we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. And afterward, he then paints a picture of doors opening and closing, locked and unlocked, asking and receiving. 
Ask and it will be given to you, Jesus says. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will open. Sounds super easy, right? I've long wondered about this passage. It's one of those that I haven't been able to to reconcile in many ways because there have been times in my life when I have asked for something, like in elementary school when uh, the love I had for my third grade crush was unrequited. (laughs) My prayer every time I see a Tesla, dear God, I want that car. (laughs) Grades on papers, conflict with another person to simply vanish, but instead, in response, all I hear in my head is, is Garth Brooks. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. You know? You know? So maybe you know something about this too, whether it's a a relationship that's fraught, a disappointment you faced, setback after setback related to your health, trying to get a business up and running, college applications, a bigger paycheck. I don't know what it is for you. But when we hear these words from Jesus... They seem to be an invitation to just come at them with whatever laundry list of desires that you and I have, like like a list of demands we'd send to the North Pole at Christmas. But that's not what this is. It's an invitation, yes, but it's an invitation to something else. It's an invitation toward alignment, an invitation to us to see through new eyes, to experience a new reality, a more complete, more detailed picture. Because the assumption here that Jesus is making is that our desire, our will, our longings are becoming closer and closer and closer to those of God. Closer to those of God. Put another way, when we ask for something, we ask for it because it's God's desire. And we'll know that. That what God's seeking and what we are seeking are the same. That what we're searching for is, in fact, God's will, not only ours. It's God's hope for us and for the world. That there's an alignment here. There's an alignment. When we ask, when we search, when we knock, the presumption is that there's an alignment. We're getting closer and closer and closer to that point. So how does this happen? I think this is where the psalmist helps, happens through prayer. This is where the psalmist helps. The psalms, remember, are the prayer book of the Bible. You want to learn how to pray, you read the psalms. There's no emotion, no experience, no yearning, no heartache that isn't captured, that isn't given voice in the psalms. Anger, repentance, joy, sorrow, celebration, it's all there. Wherever you are, you have a companion in the psalms. You can find it. And one of my favorite psalms, which is Psalm 139, the psalmist writes this. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol in the pit, you are there. In other words, the psalmist is bearing witness to the truth that that there's nowhere we can go where God isn't. No mountain too high, no valley low. We are constantly surrounded by the presence of God, whether you know it or not, whether you can feel it or not. This is the truth. This is why when we pray together at local tables or during our prayer time here on Sunday mornings, whoever's leading the prayer um, doesn't say, Lord, in your mercy, and invite us to respond to hear our prayer as if it's a petition. 
we say something else. We tweak it slightly. It's, Lord, in your mercy, you hear our prayer. You hear our prayer. Because we're not asking God to hear us. We're trusting that God does already, acknowledging that it's already happening. One word can change everything. Because the presence of God, the claim that the psalmist is making, it's what happens when the Spirit falls upon us at Pentecost. The presence of God is all around us, as near to us as our very breath. And so our task then, our beckoning, Jesus' invitation, is to simply notice it. Simply to pay attention. One of my favorite poets is the late Mary Oliver. And in one of her most well-known poems, The Summer Day, she writes this. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. And I love the honesty of this line. And this, friends, is the invitation. It's an, it's an invitation to attentiveness, to noticing where God is showing up, being attentive to the people and the places and the situations where God's heart is breaking and where ours is too, where Jesus is on the move and faces gleaming with the image of God, moment by moment in our attentiveness and our opening up and our noticing those things for which we ask and seek and knock will be changed and transformed will move into alignment. They'll be, be in alignment with our creator and will have been changed, transformed, upcycled along the way. This is prayer. At its most basic, it's simply to pay attention to the presence of God, to be attentive to the presence of God. You don't need fancy words. You don't need to be in any particular posture. You just need to ask, where is God here? Where is God here? I went to church regularly growing up and sat through a good number of sermons, so I don't take for granted what you're doing right now. And of all the sermons I sat through in my home church, there's only one that I remember from our priest. That's what people like me are called in the Episcopal Church, which is what I grew up in. Only one that I remember, only one that sticks with me. And one, one week, our, our, our priest, Paul, preached about how washing dishes can be prayer. He said that every time he washed dishes, it was a prayer. Some of you are thinking about your spouse right now and seeing, see, I told you. Because as he washed dishes, he, he described how he let the water wash over his hands and it became a reminder of his baptism, remembering that he is a child of God. And as he scrubbed the plates and utensils and glasses, he gave thanks that his family had had enough to eat and that led him to prayer, to think about those who didn't that day. As he rinsed the dishes and dried them, he offered words of gratitude for each person in his household by name, prayed for their safety, for their health, and their heart. And that story has stuck with me for at least 20 years, about how Paul, my priest, had been attentive to the presence of God, and how washing dishes can be a prayer. And this can be true for us, too. For instance, what might that look like as you're doing laundry? Maybe you feel the warmth of the clothes out of the dryer and you take a moment to give thanks for the warmth of God's love. Maybe you pray for those who live in poverty with little warmth and little comfort. What does it look like on the way to work or school if it's the morning? Perhaps you offer your day or yourself up to a higher power. God, this day is yours. These hands, let them be yours. Maybe you pray for the drivers nearby, wishing them well even when they make poor choices, <laughs> hoping that they're doing the same for you. 
You're making coffee in the morning or sharing a meal throughout the day. Perhaps you give thanks for the farmers, the workers, the labor that went into uh, getting that food, those beans um, to you. Those who grew the plants or cared for the animals, drove the trucks, staffed the grocery store, acknowledging that a lot of work, a lot of work went into it. And God was in it all. As you're running or working out and your breath gets faster and faster, maybe you consider the gift of every breath and the spirit of God that fills your lungs with every exhale. You think about how you're breathing God's love back into the world. And the embrace of your kid or a loved one, maybe it brings to mind how, how God has thrown God's own arms around you, enveloping you in a giant bear hug of love that knows no end. Think about your love for that person. How much more than... Does God love you? I could go on. But in each of these moments, we are becoming more and more attentive to the presence of God, seeing things that we didn't before. And this is prayer. Maybe right now we're seeing a world with legs coming out of our heads and noses in line with our eyes and nobody has arms, but through prayer, through prayer, the family picture we're drawing of God and God's kingdom is becoming ever more detailed more complete, more whole, until at last we are made new. And we can see one another and see this world as God sees it. That's my prayer for you and for me, for each of us, to be upcycled through prayer. So let's pay attention, shall we? Amen. It's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about The Local Church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at localchurchpbo. Until next time, love where you are.